Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, we are your children, chosen, called by your grace in Jesus Christ. Yes, we are. And as your children, we come today and we sit at your feet to hear your word. Lord, give us hearts that might take that word to heart and put it into practice. In your name we pray. Amen. I wonder if how many of you knew that today's Old Testament reading was at least in part the text for our Lord's first sermon. He was in Nazareth and uh, his hometown. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. They handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And enrolling the scroll, he found this place. The Spirit of the Lord, of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And he began his sermon with these words. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Powerful moment. Don't really know if he said anything else. Maybe that was the whole sermon. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> what made this sermon powerful is that Jesus did more than speak these words. He lived these words. Jesus spoke the love language of service in word and in deed. See, there's really only one way to speak this love language. You actually have to serve people. It's real easy to pay homage, isn't it, to serving others. You know, all of us who are married, we've all made that promise, stood at the altar to love and to cherish in sickness and in health, for better, for worse. Easy on that day to say the word. They only take on meaning in the marriage. I remember one man in my first parish. He had said these words at the altar on his wedding day, promised to serve his wife no matter what happened. But then the day came when she was diagnosed with MS. And within months, he had divorced her. 
Because he didn't like the in sickness part of the vows. Remember um, my uncle, Uncle Aki. Great name. His name was Oscar. We called him Aki. I don't know what, what grandnephew or niece gave him that name, but we all loved him. He didn't have any kids. He and Angeline didn't have any children. He's a great guy, but he was constantly promising his nieces and nephews, yeah, I'm going to take you to the zoo. I'm going to take you to the movie. I'll take you with to a Chicago Bears game. Never did it. His lack of actions spoke louder than his words. You know, for a long time, in middle school, in high school, and even in college, I studied the German language. It was all fine and good, but you know, I never really spoke it, even poorly, until I moved to Germany. Before then, it was, meant nothing that I had learned the language. We, we talk a lot in the church about serving, about we study, about being involved in the community, about getting out there and doing things for people around us. But if we never actually serve, those words mean nothing. Why? Why is this love language maybe the most difficult one to speak? It's because of our sinful pride. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, maybe you could guess it if, once I say it to you. You know that they say that the Chinese language is the most difficult language for an English speaker to learn. Why? Because linguistically, it is the complete opposite of the English language. Well, apply that to this love language. The language of service is a completely foreign language to sinners. Because see, as sinners, the person we most want to look out after, the person we most want to take care of, is ourselves. And so often, even when it comes to serving others, the question is, what's in it for me? You know, one of the story that comes to mind for me from Scripture when I read this and when I'm preaching the sermon is the story of, of the... Um, uh, the disciples and Jesus on the night he was betrayed. You know, they, they had spent three years with Jesus. Three years learning about service. And yet the night he was betrayed, here they are in the upper room and they're about to have the Passover meal, which in those days they, they reclined, which meant their feet was going to be up by the food. They'd been out on the dirty roads, so it would fall to the slave or the servant to wash their feet, feet before they feet, their feet before they ate, right? They didn't have a servant. They didn't have a slave. So that meant one of them needed to do it, and yet they all just kind of sat there. No one 
wanted to be the one. Why? Because they were scared of the same things that keep us from serving. They're afraid of losing their place in the pecking order. You know how it works? Once you serve, try this. Once you volunteer for something at church, they're going to ask you again and again and again. Worse, if you do the job that nobody else wants to do, they're really going to ask you again and again. You'll be marked forever as the doormat, the one to get to do the dirty work around. It's not just a church, it's at home, it's at work, it's every place. And so they sat there on their hands, not wanting to be the one, wanting to preserve their place. You know what happens when that's our goal? Jesus warns us, everyone who would save his life will lose it. Thank God that Jesus is so different than you and me. Jesus spoke this language fluently. The Bible says that being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. You know, that's, that's what the message of Christmas is, isn't it? That the King of Kings, that the Lord of Lords, gave it all up, left heaven, be conceived in the womb of a poor virgin, young girl, to be laid in a manger used for feeding animals as his first bed, his first home, a cave, his first mattress, straw, his first diapers, rags. Wow. The Lord of all became the servant of everyone. He didn't just preach about caring for the poor and healing the sick. The Bible says he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. You know, when they brought him the ten lepers, you know, the custom in those days was to stay very socially distanced from lepers. You didn't even get close to them. You heard them cry out. You went by on the other side of the street. Not Jesus. They come crying out. Jesus walks up, and of all things, he touches them. Heals them. He was walking through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. There was a blind man in the crowd, poor man named Bartimaeus. He's crying out. The crowd's telling him to shh, don't bother the master while he goes by. Jesus doesn't ignore him. The Bible says Jesus stopped. Jesus said, call him. And they brought him forward, and Jesus gave Bartimaeus his sight. You know, when he was out in the countryside and he had 5,000 people there, hungry people, he didn't say, well, you're on your own for lunch. With a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, he fed them all. 
And that night in the upper room when nobody else would move, when everybody else was too proud, the Bible says Jesus himself got up, girded himself about with a towel, poured water into a bowl, and began himself to wash the feet of the disciples. And then the next day he went further. The next day he gave himself for the world laid down his life, allowed himself to be crucified, and then raised to life the three days later so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Folks, he speaks this love language even today personally to you. Think about the people in your family. Think about your spouse. Think about the jobs you have or you've had. Think about the times when you were sick. God took care of you. Think about your doctor and your nurses and the paramedics and the firemen and the the people around you that God uses serve you, right? He didn't just get down on his hands and knees to wash your feet. He came to you in a baptismal font and he washed away your sin, adopted you into his family, invited you to make his home your home, has given you this church. Look around you. These are all ways in which God serves you, these gifts of God, these people who are your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your pastors, your teachers, the musicians up here. Have, have you ever thought about all the people God uses to make this service happen? The lay ministers, the, the music people, the sly people, the people that proofread, the people that practice the music, the people that usher the altar guild, all ways in which God is is serving you. But most of all, how he invites you to come here to his dinner table and he waits on you. And in bread and wine he gives you himself to eat and to drink. Think how God serves you. Why would the God of the universe do that for you and me? Why would Jesus exchange his, his home in heaven for a manger, his throne for a cross? Because in clear, unmistakable terms, in a language that involves him putting his words into action, Jesus wants to say to all of us, I love you. And secondly, he wants to teach you to speak this language. You know, you know that's what was going on in the upper room, right? He was teaching him how to speak this language. One more time. 
And you remember the story when he comes to Peter and he's about to wash Peter's feet and Peter wants no part of it. And Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. Remember what Jesus said to him? He said, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. In other words, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, if I don't serve you, you can never be free. You can never be a part of God's kingdom. You can never be the servant that God wants you to be. The only way to learn this language from God is to accept that God must first serve you. You know, I talked a little bit about the German. You know, when we were in Germany and we were taking tutoring, you know what our teacher did about halfway in? You know what she did? She started speaking only German to us of all the things. How are we supposed to understand that? She started speaking only German because that's the only way we would learn to speak German. That's what Jesus does. He came and died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He wants you and me to be a people who do a lot more than talk about service. <laughs> you know, when I was getting ready for the sermon, sitting in my office down at the other end of this building, suddenly God put a thought in my mind. Wayne, what's that tree, that flat tree out in the gathering area. You've walked past it every Sunday. What do you suppose it is? So I got up and I walked down the hall and it was toys for joy. And I realized what God was saying, well, if you're going to talk about it, you better do it. Folks, think about that tree out there. For the Kanama children from the congregation, I think it's the one that meets in the afternoons. A lot of those kids, at least I know the pastor doesn't speak English. But you know what? You give that toy, that card that's going to be used to buy a toy, and I bet they'll understand what you're saying. And it's not just things like that at church where he gives us an opportunity. Yeah. How many of you leave your plates like this figuring she'll clean it up? Maybe service is without asking, getting up from the table and washing the plate yourself. Or something as simple as there's no ketchup. Well, get up, go to the refrigerator yourself. And on the way, ask, can I get you anything? Service isn't just big things we do for other people. It's little things we do for each other at home. Because God... He still speaks this language every day. He speaks it through you. 
even when you take your mask and put it on. He says through you to someone else, I love you. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God which pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.